So I was um, so impressed by this psalm that it is showing, uh, showing me that the perfect faith and also uh, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 also talks about this and uh, the perfection comes from his suffering. It clearly says, says that verse 10, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 says, for it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect, perfect through suffering, through suffering. So this psalm is basically about the suffering of the perfecter and founder of our faith, which is, I mean, who is Jesus? So I will focus on that. I mean, uh, this is a pretty long, lengthy psalm, so I will not be able to go verse by verse, but um, I will just try to uh, share my idea that why this is the, this teaches, this psalm teaches us the perfect faith, the model of faith. Verse 1 reads, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Uh, it sounds like complaining, but it is not, as you well know. It is like saying that I feel as if I was abandoned by God. So uh, the sufferer, he is saying that the situation, the suffering is extreme, uh, far exceeds what he thought it would be. And we can read the desperateness of the sufferer from this verse. Probably that is why Jesus quoted this verse on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? So this verse is... Uh, working like the introduction to the desperateness of his situation right now. So he is going through an extreme, extreme suffering. And verse 2 also says, Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. He prays but he doesn't get answer yet from God. In other words, his suffering seems eternal. His suffering seems for now, forever. I mean, he feels helpless. He feels desperate. Oh, even God doesn't help me in this situation. So this verse 2, verse 2 also gives us the idea what kind of suffering the sufferer was in. And the sufferer was in, a, in an extreme suffering situation. Verse 3 to 5, 
yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were rescued. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. I was confused as I was reading these uh, verses first. What does it mean? And a commentator also uh, said that this is, psalm is like fluctuating, you know, negative, positive, negative, positive. So that made me, I mean, that commentator made me more confused to understand this psalm. But as I uh, read this psalm over and again, that made me sense. This verse also is talking about the desperateness of his situation, of his suffering. He's saying like this, I know, I know that you delivered my forefathers. When they cried out to you, you delivered me. But why not me? Why you don't save me right now? I am crying out to you, but you don't answer me. I am in, a, you know, in an extreme situation, but you don't rescue me. It is saying like that. So these verses also gives us the idea that the suffering of this sufferer is so extreme, far exceeds, this suffering far exceeds the sufferings of his forefathers. No one has ever suffered like this in the history. So some commentator, that commentator says that, you know, he was finding, the sufferer was finding the basis of his uh, trust in God uh, from the experience or history of, of the forefathers. Maybe that is true also. But the more uh, important point of these verses is that his suffering far exceeds the sufferings of the forefathers. Verse 6. Uh, through eight clarifies that point. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouth at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. The verse 8 is quoting of the scoffers. So verse 6 says, But God rescued my forefathers when they cried out. When they were suffering, they prayed to God, and God rescued him. But why not me? I am praying to you. I'm crying out to you. I'm in an anguish. I'm in a, I'm in a extreme suffering. Why don't you answer me, God? You answered to my forefathers, so I expected you to answer me too. 
in this situation, but you don't answer me. Answer my prayer. I feel like I'm a worm. I'm not a man. Scorned by mankind. All mankind. And despised by the people. All who see me mock me. There is no one who is on my side. I'm alone. They make mouth at me. They wreck their heads. I am being ridiculed. I am being scorned. I have no friend on my side. Even you, my God, don't answer me. Why not? You answered to my ancestors when they cried out to you. But why not to me? Is it because I am a worm? Is it because I'm not a man? This shows us that his suffering is different. His suffering is different from the sufferings of all mankind. Even his forefathers, David's, Abraham's, Noah's, whoever it might be, whoever suffered, so much, nobody ever suffered like he is suffering right now. His suffering is far exceeds any other's suffering. Verse 9 through 10, 9 and 10 says, Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you and my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my birth, my mother's womb, you have been my God. It's a weird language here. You, you are he who took me from the womb. This, is this mean, I mean, does this mean miscarriage? God took him from the womb. Here, the word took means pulled out, drew out. He drew this supper out of his mother's womb. What does it mean? I could think this as uh, hyperbole. Exaggeration. But I don't know exactly what it means. I mean, he could have died if he was pulled out from his mother's womb. But he felt, he felt like that. And there was no one. And, and he was alone. Even his mom's womb was not for him. He was alone. In verse 10, he says, On you was I cast from my birth. He was cast to God. So he was entrusted to God. His mom, his mother's womb was not for him, was not enough for him. And he was cast to God. 
from the womb of his mother. And so what? The second row says, and from my mother's womb, you have been my God. You have been my God. There was no hope other than God to him. Even his mother could not do anything to him. Could not do anything for him. Only God could do something for him. Because he was cast out, even from his mother's womb. In other words, his suffering far exceeds any suffering of any human being. His suffering is different. His suffering is extremely extreme. It cannot be compared with any any other suffering. No one has ever suffered like as he is suffering. Verse 12 to 18. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouth at me like a ravening and roaring lion. He is describing the suffering. He is describing the situation. He is surrounded by his enemies. He is alone. And his enemies were like ravening, roaring lion. And their mouth was open wide to swallow him, to devour him. They were like strong bulls of Bashan. I looked up this, uh, this phrase, bulls of Bashan. Bashan area was so uh, good. I mean, the pasture was so good. And the animals who pas- who, I mean, which were pasturing on that area was so strong. The, the bulls of Bashan were so strong because they were uh, fed very well. And such bulls, strong bulls, were surrounding him. He was alone. His enemies were not weak. His enemies were so strong and threatening. And verse 14 and And 15, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted with my breast. My strength is dried up like a pasture, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. A death. So he is being killed. He is dying. He's losing all power. His organs are shutting down. The waters in his body are drying up. 
His blood is drying out. Literally, he is dying. And he is losing all strength. And he is losing all functions of his members of his body. And literally, he was like laying in the death, dust of death. And one thing uh, outstanding here is that, to me, is that all my bones are out of joint. One time, I, you know, one of my bone, knee bone was dis dislocated. And I was like this. Suddenly, it was too, too painful. I couldn't stand. But he says, all my bones are out of joint. All bones and joints were dislocated. Can you imagine the pain? All the bones and joints were dislocated. Can you imagine the pain? And the pain dries up his strength. Like he is being dried. Recently, uh, Yun-suk was making some dried foods. And he, she cut the food, I mean the fruits and vegetables and put it in a dryer and overnight those, you know, fruits and, and vegetables became like crunchy biscuit, something like that. You know, the sufferer, he is being dried. And he's, he feels that he was lying in the dust of death. Sixteen through eighteen. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. We are very familiar with this you know, description. So we can think that he was being crucified. He was on the cross. The sufferer was on the cross. They nailed him on the cross. So they have pierced his hands and his feet. And on the cross, he was so painful. And he could count all his bones. But while he was under such an extreme pain and anguish, they were laughing at him. They were staring at him. They were gloating over him. And they derided him, ridiculed him, scorned him. He was alone. Nobody was on his side. 
And even they divided the garments, which means he was naked, unclothed. He was in a very shameful situation also. And they divided his garments among them, and they cast lots for his clothing. Verse 21. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. He had some sufferings before. It was like he was being chased by wild oxen. But right now, he is being devoured by the lion. His current suffering exceeds the past sufferings. And his suffering is the huge, I mean the extreme and hardest suffering. Even his past sufferings cannot be compared with this one. This one is so extreme. It is like the last one. And obviously, as we saw, he was dying physically. He was dying of the current suffering. Physically. So, until this uh, section, what this psalm is talking about is that the suffering of the sufferer is extreme. It not only far exceeds the sufferings of the sufferer's ancestors' sufferings, but also it exceeds the sufferer himself, I mean, the sufferer's past sufferings. So the current suffering cannot be compared with any other suffering of anyone in the history of mankind. His suffering is the only suffering and the biggest suffering that a sufferer can experience or go through. So that is the point of this section. But he endured the suffering. He never gave in. He never gave up. He never begged for life, he endured, trusting in and praying to God. Verse 20 uh, needs to be mentioned something. Verse 20 says, Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog, here, it is like the sufferer is asking to save his life. 
but he is not asking for saving of his physical life because he knew he was dying. In verse 15, he already said that I am lying in the dust of death. He knew that he was dying. So the life in verse 20 may mean the spiritual life. Even though I lose my physical life, I don't want to. I never want to lose my spiritual life, eternal life. That is, that is his attitude. That is his prayer. He endured. He did not fear his enemies, the bulls of Bashan, lions, luring lions, and merciless, cruel enemies, deriding soldiers, people, mankind, all people, he didn't fear. But he hoped and trusted in God. Verses 3 to 5 says, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you are our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried out, were rescued. If you, in you they trusted and were not put to shame. So he trusted God. Even though God didn't answer at that point, but he trusted in God. Here the word trust is an interesting word. Verse 4 says, In you our fathers trusted. 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 In Hebrew word, this, this is patak. Patak means find security in something. To find security in something. Like insurance. Because I have such and such, such, and such uh, uh, insurance, I'm good. I don't worry about something. It's like that. So find security in something. So it is uh, translated in, in Septuagint. It is translated uh, not, in tr not to trust, but to hope. He hoped in God. He found hope in God. Only in God. He said, you know, already, even his mother's womb was not his hope. His hope was only God. So he trusted finding the only hope in God. He trusted in the Lord. And verse 8 also says that he trusts in the Lord. The same English word trusts is used here, but the Hebrew word is different, kalal. Kalal means roll, roll, like this. Sorry. Roll. So if I have a problem, I want to roll that prob problem to God. God received my problem. I don't want to 
have that problem with me. So please help me and receive the problem and remove it from me. Just like that. So the trust means God will deliver me. God will save me. He trusted in God. Okay. God will deliver me. God will save me. I have hope in God. Hoping and trusting in God. He never gave up. He endured the suffering, the extreme suffering, unprecedented suffering. No humankind has ever suffered that kind of suffering, but he endured it because he trusted in God and he hoped in God. So he trusted in God and hoped in God. That reminds us that he is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Because he trusted in God and hoped in God in such an extreme situation, we can follow him. We can find a model faith from him. If we follow him, we will be delivered. We'll be saved. That's why he is our founder and perfecter of faith. And also, he prayed to God. Verse 11 and uh, verses 19 to 21. Verse 11 be not, far, uh, be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Verse 19. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O, my, o you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. His prayer is sort of a bit different from at least mine. He doesn't ask God to change his situation. God, please change my situation. Please get me out of this situation. This is hard for me. No, he didn't say it like that. He didn't pray like that. What did he do? He entrusted his soul to God. Verse 20 says, deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. So we have to be able to do this. I rather ask God to change the situation, to make the situation better, or to get me out of the situation in my prayers. But this sufferer prayed that I entrust my soul to you. It's up to you. I believe you will deliver my soul. And I will not die. And my soul 
will live forever, even if my body is dead. If my soul is life, then I mean, he's thankful. So he's, he prayed and he endured the suffering. Not only that, in the latter half of the psalm, we can read that he rejoiced. Even in that extreme suffering, even in that extreme situation, he was rejoicing. How? How could he do that? He was even making a vow. Let's read verse 22. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation, my vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied, those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship before him shall bow all who go down to the dust even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. As I mentioned earlier, he never complained. The first Two verses were not complaining. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was not complaining. Why don't, why you don't answer my prayer? It was not complaining. He is rejoicing. The victory of God. His victory. And he is excited to proclaim the victory that he is tasting. So his victory is this. He knew that he would live in the spirit. He knew that he was dying. Probably at this point, probably he died. The sufferer already died physically, but he is rejoicing in his spirit. Because he's, his spirit is alive. And his spirit is free. And his spirit is so excited. I won. God won. We never 
we've never been defeated by the enemies. So I'm excited to proclaim God's victory, God's salvation. So he's rejoicing in his spirit, even if his body is dead. And also he knew that his spirit will live in his brothers and in the congregation. In other words, the church. Verse 22 and 23, I will tell, my, uh, tell your name to my brothers, you and me. He is talking to us. He is telling us the vic- about the victory through this scripture. We are listening to the story of the victory. And also, as the church, we are listening to the story of the victory. Like he said, just as he said, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you because you won. You saved me. You delivered me from the extreme, from the unprecedented extreme suffering. You helped me and you made me win. So he is excited about the victory. Not only that, he is excited about the victory of God. He knew that his spirit will proclaim to all people in all generations their coming, the victory of God. God is the Savior. God is the Deliverer. Nobody can win God. And he says, our proclaim, not actually he, but he, through his spirit, will proclaim that God is the Savior. Verses 24 to 26. For he has not despised the world apart, the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. And also, the Spirit will proclaim through his followers repentance and worship 27 to 28 all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the lord they will repent as they hear the gospel and all the families of the nations shall worship before you for kingship belongs to the lord and he rules over the nations He is the God for all to worship. So all have to 
repent. And he is rejoicing. The supper is rejoicing. His spirit is rejoicing because his spirit, through his brothers and his church, will proclaim the repentance so that all to turn to the Lord. And also, he, his spirit is rejoicing because his spirit through his followers will proclaim that God has done righteousness. Verse 31 says, They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it, the righteousness. He is rejoicing. And we are rejoicing because we know God did the righteousness. God did his righteousness through Jesus Christ. And by that righteousness, we are here in his church. We are members of his body, of the sufferer's body. That's the victory of God. That's why the sufferer and his spirit is rejoicing. Even his body was dead. And we are rejoicing also, like he was rejoicing. Because we are the victors. We are the ones who have to tell of the story of the victory. His victory and God's victory. And the conclusion of this psalm is simple. That was Jesus. This psalm was talking about Jesus. This psalm was talking about the crucifixion of Jesus. This psalm was talking about the salvation of God. There is no question. And we are rejoicing in his spirit as we are to do our job, to proclaim his victory and God's victory to all mankind as we have chance. So Jesus, the sufferer, showed us the model of faith, how we have to live and die by faith. And as we follow the model of faith, we will be the victor, victors like him. Tonight, if there is anyone who didn't take advantage of the grace of God that he can be saved. This is the earliest chance for him or her to be saved. Jesus suffered 
for us. He through, I mean, went through the extremely extreme suffering for us to save us. So why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you take that grace for you to be saved? So if you need that, please come before while we stand.